Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. You are listening to Your Daily Drive. That is the podcast where I put my article content in audio format. Today, I want to talk about building your close network of friends inside a local church. That is probably one of the most challenging things you will ever do. I am talking specifically about a dynamic small group experience. If you want to read this podcast, you can do that. I would love you to do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. The title of the podcast and the article, Three Keys That Will Make Your Small Group Dynamic. I would love for you to read it. I would love for you to share it. For bonus points, it would be fantastic if you would share this in your small group. Share it with your leadership as well. Building a close network of friends is a difficult thing to do, and there could be a temptation to dismiss this idea. But before you dismiss the idea of being part of a small group, a caring community of Christ-like disciple-makers, would you consider what I am about to say? And if you want to talk about this, please go to our website, again, rickthomas.net. We have forums, two types, a public forum where we answer all comers. Any question from any individual around the world is free, no charge, I promise you. You can post your question and our team will be more than happy to engage you on our free public forum. If you are a supporter of our ministry, thank you. We have a private forum for you, but either way, I would love for you to jump on there and let's discuss this. I'm going to begin the podcast by sharing a word cloud, a list of words. In fact, I have a graphic here inside of the article, and so if you do go to the article, three keys that will make your small group dynamic, you can look at this word cloud, but you don't have to look at it for this podcast. I want to share the words that make up this cloud. And as you listen to these words, I would like for you to tell me the common denominator, the the one thing that connects all of these words together. Here they are. Uh, it is a cloud. They're crowded. So I'll, I'll give you most of them. I'll probably skip a few. What connects all these words together? Reconciliation, self-righteousness, honoring, arguments, failure, hanging, deferring, as in hanging out, deferring, prejudice, hypocrisy, frustration, humility, temptation, dysfunction, gossip, lust, unity, fear, fun, joy, gentleness, disappointment, embarrassment, misunderstanding, peace, hurtfulness, correction, Forgiveness, jealousy, grumpiness, lying, self-control, friendship, love, confession, criticalness, restoration, unforgiveness, anger, texting, compassion, repentance. That is a non-exhaustive list of words. My question is, what is the thing that connects all these words together? Well, I'm sure you could give maybe several things I can think of at least two things that connect all of these words together. This list represents our mutual commonality. We all have done some of these things on this list, if not all of them. That's one thing. 
that connects them all together is it represents us, humanity. It's what it means to be in Adam. This list also represents some of the things that should be occurring among your closest friends, especially in your small group. If you are in a dynamic small group, you will experience probably every one of these things plus a few more. If you have spent time with any small group that I have led, you would see some of these things in me, including the negative characteristics that that I mentioned. Hopefully they are not patterns in my life, but episodes. We're all episodic Christians in that we do things episodically. We do bad things episodically. Hopefully, hopefully the good things we do are patterns. But the real point of this podcast is not whether you or I sin, but what are we doing to mature in Christ in community? And so I don't want to put the accent mark on the things that we do wrong, but I want to put the accent mark on this idea of what are you doing to mature in Christ in community? And I want to make a case for the necessity of community. I don't think I need to do that because of all the one another's in the New Testament that you are familiar with. But I'm mainly talking about having a context where you are free to be the person that you are. It is absolutely vital that when you get together with a group of friends for discipleship, for maturing in Christ, it is critical that you are the person genuinely that you are, that you're not hypocritical because you can't mature in Christ if you are disclosed, isolated, not genuine. And so let me begin this by asking a few questions. Do you have a safe place to be real? That is an important question. I mean, if you're going to be real, if you're going to be vulnerable in front of friends, it has to be safe. Number two, do you want to be honest in a community, a small group? Number three, do you see the value of being in a transparent community? I hope you do. Number four, do you perceive the danger of not being in a disciple-making community? Let me introduce you to three men who are part of a small group. The story that I'm going to share with you is not true, but it could be representative of many of us. Biff has been in a small has been a small group member for more than two years. From an outside looking in perspective, he seems to have it all together. Of course, that is his goal as far as how Biff wants others to perceive him. His reputation is important to him, which is which is why he manages his reputation so well. What his small group does not know is that he is an angry man. Now, his wife knows it. His kids know it. It has leaked out among a few friends, but his group does not know the real Biff, not that side of Biff. His craving for People approval motivates him to keep this part of his life closed off from those who could love him the best. Sadly, this desire to control things stunts his sanctification. 
Biff is a Christian. Bo has been an addict since he was 17 years old. He is 31 now. Bo has been in his small group just over a year. He and Biff are friends. They spend many weekends together because their wives, Mabel and Marge, have become close. Bo sensed how Biff is not what he claims to be, but Bo's thoughts have been, shoot, who am I to judge him? I have this secret addiction. Bo's current plan is to be clean for six months to a year before he tells Marge. His thought is if he can kick the habit, he can talk about his addiction as though it was something in the past rather than a current struggle. In Bo's twisted thinking, he wants to maintain his reputation, project humility before the group, and eventually gain some accountability just in case he is tempted again. His plan, like Biff's, allows him to be in control of the situation. Rather than submitting to the foolishness and weakness of the gospel, both Biff and Bo do not want to subordinate their strength to God's. Now, I'm, I'm coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you're not familiar with that language, the foolishness and weakness of the gospel, where Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to, do, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And he goes on to talk about how the weakness of God is stronger than men and the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And so rather than submitting to the foolishness and weakness of the gospel, because it does sound foolish and weak to be vulnerable, it sounds foolish and weak to expose yourself for who you really are. Then enters Bryce into the group. Bryce is a young Christian who has not learned the ropes yet. I'm putting the word ropes in uh, quotation marks. Now, what I mean is that he has not yet experienced or he's yet to experience contamination from Biff's and Bo's immature thinking. You could say he has not learned to embrace the value of hypocrisy or the art of deception. Both of those phrases are also in quotation marks, kind of tongue-in-cheek. He is still, Bryce is, still naive enough to believe the Bible take it at face value, and talk as though it is real. He is also a newbie to small group life. Biff and Bo have measured transparency. They reveal certain things about themselves because they want to show their humility. They give the perception they are in the small group while not indeed part of the community. Bryce is amazed at their honesty and openness. From his perspective, it is radically different from the nonsense in his office. Bryce is impressed, and he is grateful for his new group. You can imagine what a surprise it was to Bryce the night Biff's wife, Mabel, blurted out, I can't take it anymore. I'm leaving Biff. He's intolerable. She continued to share through tears his many unexposed secrets. She talked about the threats, his condemning ways, and even the physical abuse to her and the children. It was not a pretty picture. Sadly, it did not have to come out the way it did. 
Reminds me of Numbers 32, 23. You can remember this verse of Scripture because uh, the numbers are backwards, 32, then 23. And so Numbers 32, 23 says this, Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. All of us struggle with suppressed transparency. Just like Adam before us, our native tendency is to grab the fig leaves and cover up the shame in our lives. In one sense, it is a form of insanity. Think about that list in the word cloud again, particularly the negative things that I mentioned on that list, things that we do, prejudice, Lust, failure, argument, self-righteousness, hypocrisy, frustration, dysfunction, envy, hurtfulness, misunderstanding, jealousy, lying, unforgiveness, anger. Those were some of the things that I mentioned. Now, there's a whole other side to that that I mentioned, too, in the word cloud. But what I want you to do at this point is to think about the the negative things in that list. It represents only a part of our inheritance from Adam and why Jesus came to reverse that curse. Why do we pretend those things do not belong to us? Now, maybe your list is different, but stay on point. Why do we want to pretend those things, whatever those negative things are, do not belong to us? Why do we want to suppress our transparency? The sad news is how the list is not complete. There is more. Total depravity does not mean you are doing every possible evil thing currently. Total depravity means that you are capable of doing any despicable thing. Jeremiah was right in 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it. Paul was right in Romans 3, 10 through 12, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Jeremiah, Paul, they were right, and so was Jesus When he told Nicodemus, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born a second time. One of the blessings of being a Christian is we have the option of finding friends who can listen to us and help us with our problems. The world cannot do this. They have no Jesus, no spirit, no body of Christ, and no hope. At best, they can give you seven habits for an adequate life, or the best life now motivation speech, both of which are devoid of gospel-infused transformation. The real issue is that though we are born again, we continue to struggle with Adamic tendencies. We still drag our former manner of life, which is corrupt through deceitful desires around with us, Eternally saved, but not sanctified, is our problem. Our imperfection is why it is helpful to review from time to time what our problems are and what we can do about it. Some call it shooting the big elephants in the room, the things we perceive about ourselves but are tentative about discussing among our friends. 
I want to talk about three of those things. I want to shoot three big elephants in this podcast. I'm not going to shoot everything in that word cloud, every negative thing in that word cloud that I shared with you, but I want to shoot three of those big elephants, fear, isolation, and sin. And it's why I titled the podcast, Three Keys That Will Make Your Small Group Dynamic. Let's take the first of those, fear. And let me say this, fear is normal. Rarely will someone be like Bryce. Most people will hide their shame like Biff and Bo. During those times when Lucia and I began the arduous process of looking for a church, and we have done that before. We never put, listen to this, we never put, quote, finding a transparent, intentional, sanctification-pursuing small group life, end quote, on our list of things we must have. We didn't put a dynamic small group life on our must-have list before we joined this church. We know the church, And we knew that the church that we would eventually choose would be just like us, just like you, tentative about being honest with each other. No church church does this perfectly. Now, that's not a critique. It's just a reality of Adamic people who still wear fig leaves. All churches struggle with humble transparency because all of them are made up of people like me. Adam people, born again, regenerated, saved, restored, adopted, going to be in heaven, justified, no more condemnation, but not entirely sanctified. Rather than complaining about a church that does not pursue transparency, we decided to practice openness by finding those individuals who want what we want in a sanctification community. We all are afraid of each other to varying degrees. It's weird, but it's true. Fear of man is a universal sin that affects each of us in specific ways. Maybe more with some than others, but it affects all of us. Do not be surprised if your small group is anxious about being honest. One of the best things you could do is model the honesty that you desire from them. You lead by your example. Therefore, the first key to making your small group life dynamic is to understand that fear is normal. The second one is isolation is wrong. Do not settle for anything less than a group of friends who want to do intentional sanctification together. Did you know that you can be humbly dissatisfied with superficiality? You do not have to be mad about it but you can be righteously dissatisfied. Ask God to give you the grace to where you can overcome your fear of being exposed with your desire for this kind of community. Hunger for it. Pray about it. Ask the Lord to give it to you. Biff and Bo were deteriorating by the day with their relationship with Christ and their respective families. They were living in unexposed, isolated sin while participating in a small group that was organized to fight sin. How sadly ironic. It's like becoming more sick while in the hospital. 
Biff and Bo did not understand or want to understand the value of community life. Fortunately, Biff's wife had enough gumption to spill the beans. If you try to mature in your sanctification outside of a community, isolated from a community, you will not be successful. Isolation from a small group of friends is self-defeating in that it will hinder you from following Jesus who came to penetrate and transform the human community. Think about this for just a moment. Part of the sanctification process is making disciples. Isolating from disciples is counter to the aims of the gospel. It's also counter to imaging our Trinitarian read communal or community Lord. You can't image our Trinitarian God by yourself. You can't image him, them well if you are isolated. Three keys to developing a a fantastic, dynamic, small group. Number one, understand that fear is normal and let's work at overcoming our fears. Understand that isolation is wrong. We must be part of a group of Christ-like disciple-makers. And then number three, sin is insanity. Some people who will listen to this podcast have hidden sin issues, struggles, problems in their lives. I know this. Their spouses may not know about these things in their lives. Perhaps their small group is unaware. They realize the truth of what I'm saying here, but they are afraid of exposure. If that is you, I appeal to you to pray right now. Ask the Lord to give you a grace that will enable you to talk to your small group about what you do not want to talk about publicly. Go to your small group leader. You do not have to be alone And the secrecy in your life does not have to overcome you. Hebrews 4, 7 says, Today, if you will hear his voice, I appeal to you, do not harden your heart. No sin or circumstance has overtaken you. Here's 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 13, rather. Paul is saying that no sin has overtaken you, that is not uncommon to all of us. No sin or circumstance is outside of God's grace. The power of the gospel can repair you in community. Let me ask you three questions. Will you challenge your fears by being open with others? Will you pursue your community while resisting isolation And number three, will you ask your group to help you with your struggles, whatever they may be? Two of the more common responses that I receive about this subject when I talk like this are, one, you do not know my church. And number two, there is no one in my life that I can trust. Now, I am I am not going to dismiss this because I know this is very real. This is a thing, and it's not something to casually dismiss, or and it's definitely not something to say that it is not true because this is really real for a lot of people. 
they live in anemic churches that basically what I'm doing here is I'm talking in an unknown tongue because their church is not doing these things. And then number two, they have nobody that they can trust, which sometimes mean they have tried this before and they have been hurt in some awful ways. And so I understand that these things can be true. But what I want you to do is is let the gospel inform your thinking. There is no human you can ultimately trust. Now, I'm not saying trust everybody. I'm not saying blurt out whatever it is that you're going through with just anyone. But the truth is there is no human that you can ultimately trust. The only kind of person that you can have as a friend is an imperfect person. Sinners will always let you down in a similar way in which you have disappointed other people. We all have done it. I have disappointed many people in my life. There is a risk in a relationship. Of course, that's one of the stunning things about the gospel. Jesus loves us, though we disappoint him so often. Now, with that said, I I know that the kind of relationships I'm talking about can be impossible to build in a local church. I do understand. But you still do not have to be alone you still do not have to be afraid. A powerful application of the gospel is when fear no longer controls you. Whatever you do, you have to get to the place to where fear is not controlling you. And you are free to be honest about yourself while engaging others to be transparent with you. You need at least one friend who will be transparent with you and you can be transparent with that person. Some of our best friends do not belong to our local church. This year, we, or in 2017, which is no longer 2017, I haven't indexed forward yet, we've gone through four, surges, four surgeries, three for my wife as she's been battling cancer, and one with me as I've had back surgery, and the primary people that brought care to us did not belong to our local church. So listen what I'm saying. Some of our best friends do not belong to our local church, the people who love us the most and bring the most intentional care into our lives. They are the ones who bring us the best care. If you do not have this kind of relationship inside or outside your church, you're welcome to become part of our community Becoming part of our community is not your best option. But here's the thing. I don't want you to fall between the cracks. And if it feels impossible right now for you to build that kind of community in your local church, and you do not have that kind of community outside your local church, then please, we would love to do what we can, as limited as we are, to be that friend for you. The title of this podcast is Three Keys That Will Make Your Small Group Dynamic. Here's your call to action. Question number one, what will you do? It's an open-ended question. Requires a response that's not yes or no. Number two, 
What keeps you from being honest with your small group of friends? Whether that is a structured small group within your local church or a small group that is somewhere else. Number three, of course, I'm talking about small groups in the local church. That's best case scenario. But again, as I said, I do understand that sometimes that's just, it's just not possible. Number three, so what keeps you from being honest with your small group of friends? And then number three, how do you need to change? Will you change? If you do change, your small group can be dynamic. My goal here is, is one, to elevate the value of the local church. Two, to elevate the importance of a small group of disciple makers within that local church. And three, to make sure that nobody, regardless of your church situation, that nobody falls between the cracks. Let us serve you. It would be a pleasure to do so. If you want to talk about this, because I receive this question so often, and it is complicated, and people do have difficult church lives, and it's one of the most common things that that I hear on a week-to-week basis, I do understand And so if you really want to discuss it, this is not an exhaustive treatment on the local church nor small group. There are many other things to say. There are many other angles here, and maybe your story is a little bit different, and you need help. Go to rickthomas.net, and let's talk about it. It would be a pleasure to serve you. We have public forums. We have private forums. You can get on whichever one is appropriate to you, but please, let us talk about this. It would be our joy to serve you. Thanks so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.